water the word. You know, and like I've taught before, we have to have the move of the Holy Spirit, but we have to have the word. It's like last night we had such a powerful move of the Holy Spirit, and with that said, you know, I've been to a lot of meetings over the years, and quite honestly, I've I've been to several revival meetings in different capacities. But last night was just as powerful as anything I've ever been to. And that includes meetings like Ronnie Howard Brown, Benny Hinn, and others that it's really in Brownsville, which really been explosively powerful. And that's just as intense as anything I've ever been to. So I said that because I want to share just a little bit up front prophetically. This is actually not a long sermon. My, the front page is a sermon. The rest of it are things I'm just giving to you. So you can read over it and study it yourself. But God has been speaking to us back when John Kilpatrick prophesied over me about a tenfold increase of anointing. God began to do some shifting and rearranging in the ministry right after that. And on the other side of some things, the anointing began to increase radically. It wasn't just the anointing, but it was actually the glory of God the presence of God, I'm talking about the glory, begin to increase with that anointing. So the anointing will go up and then the glory will go up with the anointing. And so we were we were sensing, everybody did, we were sensing a gradual increase. But I had felt that once we got through with that, that there would be kind of a, at the end of it, there would be a increase of anointing that would be unique to us. I shared that with Zach. I don't know if I shared that with everybody, but I felt it would be something like that, something the Lord would put on us that would be unique to this ministry. And not only that, but then Mika sends me a prophecy. And I shared some of it with you. Some of it's personal, but I shared with you that he saw like a mantle coming on us and, and saw these fiery horses and he saw an open heaven. Benny Baker said he saw an open heaven over our ministry and angels ascending and descending on the ministry. So... All that prophetic stuff right there is what I believe we started to tap into last night. Now let me tell you, when you start moving into revival, I've studied revival like nobody's business, okay? So when I talk about revival, this is not something that I'm a novice and don't know much about. I have really studied this out. But when you're moving into revival, there's a lot there to take into account that it is not just a feel-good thing and then you go home. I mean, there's, there's an element of sacrifice. There's an element of, of raw revival where it's like a bomb goes off sometimes, like last night. And it seems like just this explosion in the spirit realm. And those are the times that you've got to be anchored in faith, that you, you know the Holy Spirit and you trust the Lord, you trust what He's doing, trust His angels and everything, you trust Him, you trust what it, what's going on in the meeting, and you just have to stand there in faith and believe God and not and not try to control. And I really keep want to emphasize that to you guys. So, I'm going to meet with Jeff now that things are really starting to grow, and I really believe that as the Word gets out and as this continues, I believe that it's going to continue to grow. This is my opinion. I believe it will because I think that the people that were there last night will talk about it. And I think that people will want to come next time that weren't there this time. So I'm going to talk to Jeff about a few things. And we're going to set up some parameters where I need to say up front, you know, about not laying hands without permission, things like that. But it, there really wasn't a problem last night. It was, it was the pastors and their leaders, you know, primarily. But it was just one of those things that was explosive and spontaneous. And you have to just ride out what the Holy Spirit is doing. But I promise you, when those people got into that presence like that, they will never be the same. I promise you. So, I believe that prophecies are being fulfilled. And I believe that the angels ascending and descending. That I really feel in my heart that the ministry is going to start having more angelic activity. And that's why God put this in my heart to preach and I'm going to give some warnings about that. But there's going to be an increase of angelic activity. As I show you through the scriptures, 
Angels are very significant in the kingdom of God. They're very significant in the harvest coming in, revival, healings, miracles, deliverances, everything. They're, they're significant. They play a significant role. And I don't even want to know what life would be like as a Christian in these last days if we didn't have angels around us. I mean, it's difficult enough. So, I want to go ahead and get into this, but I wanted to give you that, that little tidbit there at the beginning, that the prophecy is being fulfilled. And let me say this too, one more thing before I get into it. So, last night was great and all, but there's nothing in the scriptures that would lead me to believe that God ever goes backwards. So why, why would the next outcry not be more powerful? You see what I'm saying? They should keep growing from glory to glory. They should, there should be an increase of the anointing. There should be more fruitfulness. And I believe that that was just the beginning of something that's going to culminate. You know, And so I've had so many prophecies about revival and a, a significant move of God, an effective door, a harvest and all that. I really believe that we're going to see a lot of that pan out through the outcries too. But the vision of the outcries is for people to get right with God, but it's also to pass revival and Pentecost to the next generation. That's what God's put on my heart. As Satan is trying to steal that from our young people in Pentecostal churches that have gotten away from the baptism of the Holy Spirit and revival. All right, so angels. How many of you guys have ever seen an angel? people we've had actually I've, over the years I've had several people tell me that they've had some kind of an angelic experience in our meetings I've had several people and I, I myself have seen and experienced angels okay so it's nothing that to me it's nothing that's weird if you, you guys remember John Kilpatrick's angel story about when that church was going through all that just in a nutshell, the church was going through turmoil. There was a guy coming in trying to split the church and take over the church, really. And the pastor was just going to resign and let him have the church because there had been a petition go through the church that a lot of people had signed it that were going to oust the pastor. And the pastor was planning on leaving, breaking John Kilpatrick's heart because he was a kid and this was like a dad to him. And he, was, he went to this prayer meeting. He didn't even want to be there. His flesh didn't. And the church, he said, you could feel the atmosphere was heavy from all the slander and the gossip and the evil that was going on. And he said that night they were in prayer and the back doors, which were huge, swung open. They were hit like, when, like a power hit them, swung these doors open that locked five ways open. And these two angels that were huge, they were huge. They walked in military style, turned and went and stopped at each side of the sanctuary in the back. They stood there for a little bit, then they came back out and left. They left the doors open. The pastor got up to go shut the doors. And this was in front of probably 15 people that were there at the prayer meeting on a Monday night. Went there to shut the doors, and as the, all of them followed him, I'm sure they were kind of like, I'm getting by the man of God, you know, something, this is, you know, creeping me out. So they got by him, and, and he goes up there to shut the doors with this line of people behind him. And right where they got where those angels stood, all of them just collapsed under the glory. And Brother Kilpatrick said it at, at the age of probably 14, 15 years old. Brother Kilpatrick said it at the age of probably 14, 15 years old. That he didn't and even wake up until the next morning. And, uh, radiation, he went through chemo, and one of the, the small and, uh, tumor was had a bad part a little bit. But, a bad neighborhood. but he said he believed that the Lord let it happen like that because the next day when they awoke, they, were, they remembered what happened. And they were like... That wasn't a dream, that wasn't a vision, that actually happened, you know. But here's the, here's the result of that. That was not just a, a neat story. The result of the angelic visitation was that something broke in the atmosphere. And Brother Kilpatrick said that this, the next service they had, God spoke to the pastor that night to stay. But the very next service they had, he said those people that were rebels. But the very next service they had, he said those people that were rebels, they they were gone. And he said they never even heard of them, heard from them again, ever. They were gone. They just disappeared. But he said that the next service, the pastor, it was just a normal service. The pastor got up to open his Bible, and he was going to pray and take up the offering. And he said suddenly, it was just like a bomb went off. Suddenly, the power got hit hit the place and he said that people just hit the ground under the power and he said there was probably around 14 people that were baptized
baptized in the Holy Spirit that had wanted that in their life and hadn't had it before just like that. It broke something open in the atmosphere. It drove out that heavy It got rid of the rebels and it released It drove out that heavy oppression and it released a breakthrough into that church. I'll give a few You see what I'm saying? All right. So, I'll give a few angel stories as I go. Angelos or Agalos in that study there in the Greek they spell it like that, but it can be Angelos. But anyway, a messenger to bring a message to announce to proclaim but listen to this scripture. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. I wonder how many of us have entertained angels and didn't even know that we were entertaining angels. The angels' roles in the Bible, that I mean the angels of God are all through Genesis to Revelation. Okay? They're significant. They're a significant part of, of God's kingdom. So but the, the role of angels will never eclipse the Son of God. They will always be glorifying Jesus. They will never, ever, if it's an angel from God, they will never seek worship from you. They will always be directing the worship to Jesus. Now, I'm going to give you a few things like that I want you to hear real clear. Okay, That's one of them. They will never seek glory for themselves. They're trying to glorify Jesus, and they're on assignment to do what God's called, what God's told them to do. That's what they're doing. So our focus does not need to be on angels. Our focus needs to be on Jesus. Some ministries, bless their heart, have gotten off of, you know, and that's somewhat I want to talk about. They've gotten off-centered. And they seem to be more focused on things like angels visiting and, and signs and wonders and stuff like that. And they've got their focus off of the Lord. And the gospel. But see, the preaching of the gospel is going to be what releases the power of God. And angels are going to be at work because of that. But if you get your focus off of Jesus. And you get them onto angels. It's, it, that's a very dangerous place to be. Because Satan will oblige you. Most cults will go back to some kind of an angel of light experience at some point. Like the Mormons. Joseph Smith, bless his heart, had some weird angel of light appear to him. And, you know, he wrote the Book of Mormon. And now we got the Mormons. It's a cult. And on and on. I mean, there was some weird thing that happened to Mohammed. And it wasn't God. So a lot of these cults go back to some angel of light experience. But let me tell you, just because an angel is to come to you does not mean that it's an angel of God. I'm going to get to that. Alright, the origin of angels. You can go to the very back page real fast if you want to follow. This is some stuff I studied out many, many years ago. I'm just going to give you some speculation. I'm going to give you some things that Bible scholars believe. From Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 1-2, most Bible scholars believe that there was a gap of thousands, perhaps millions of years. It's called the gap theory. And what that is, is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then Genesis 2 literally translates, now the earth is formless and void. So between the time God created the heavens and the earth and the time the earth is formless and void, most Bible scholars believe there's a gap there of thousands or millions of years between those two. And the interesting thing about all of that is, is that God never creates something in a destroyed condition. So what happened to the earth? And it wasn't like God said, let there be an earth and poof, there was a ball of clay. Okay, It was already there. And it was in a destroyed condition. So what, what happened? There was something that happened. And so most Bible scholars believe that it, it was connected to the fall of Satan. And Jeremiah 4.23 talks about um, you know, the earth being destroyed and all that. And many people believe, that study of the scriptures, believe that this... What God has done is He's given us like pieces of a puzzle, but there are certain things that you're not going to know everything until you get to heaven. And that's just the way God wants it to be for some reason. He doesn't want you to know all the details. So, there's something there that happened. I believe it was with the fall of Satan. And 
some kind of a pre-Adamic world and possibly the earth was flooded Satan and his angels fell and it's interesting because it talks about the Holy Spirit brooding over the earth and it talks about it's formless and void and if there was darkness the darkness can be translated in Hebrew in abyss so you know just just take all that but speculation and take it with a grain of salt but that is something that a lot of scholars believe so these are some things that you can read through and study on your own but during that time that gap Satan did rebel against God and he he was a fallen creature and he had pulled down a third of the angels with him we know that because whenever he approached Adam and Eve in the garden he came to them in a fallen condition okay so it was during that time frame the first second and third heaven Paul said I was taken to the third heaven the third heaven is where God dwells on his throne Jesus is at his right hand okay that's where God dwells the second heaven is like the blue in the sky above where the stars are and where the blue is that's the second heaven and that's where a lot of principalities and powers dwell the first heaven in my opinion was done away with it was originally the Garden of Eden but with that said we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and when we gather God dwells so this could be considered first heaven all right just giving you guys some things to think about okay I'm getting into angels so there's rank of angels there are archangels the only time an archangel is mentioned by name is Michael but many many people believe that Gabriel's an archangel and believe that Lucifer was not only a cherub but was an archangel at one time and it seems to indicate that Michael has to do a lot with Israel but he is the archangel that oversees warfare spiritual warfare and just reading the scriptures him being a chief he might he might even be in charge over all the other archangels he's a very high-ranking angel Gabriel seems to be the one that that has to do with overseeing the Word of God being delivered remember he announced Christ's birth and when you see Michael what do you see him doing you see him interacting with the nation of Israel and you see him coming to Daniel's aid because there was a principality withstanding his prayer, his prayers being answered. Remember, and Michael came and he he dealt with that. It seems that Lucifer was a cherub, and that's important because it's a certain class of angel. He was a cherub, and possibly even an archangel of some kind. But he oversaw the worship of heaven at one time. And at some point in time, he looked at himself and thought, you know, look how beautiful I am. You know, and he started looking at himself and he thought, well, why am I directing all my worship to God? They should be worshiping me too. So pride got him lifted up and then he began to rebel against God. If you read Isaiah 14, he wanted to take his throne and put it above the other thrones, the other angels. He wanted to take God's throne from him and sit on God's throne. That was dumb. (laughs) Amen? That was dumb. Alright, so there's other classes of angels. Satan is a fallen, listen, he's a fallen cherub. He's a a fallen, possibly an archangel, but he was a very high-ranking angel. And whenever he fell on the earth, he had no power or authority of his own. But what he did was, he, he began to, he's very intelligent. He began to scheme how he could get authority back in his life. And what he did was, he saw that God had invested authority and power in Adam. And Adam most likely had authority and power over the universe as we know it. I'm talking about the depths of the sea up into the heavens. He had authority. A sphere, a realm of authority and Satan had lost all of his authority and so he began to lust after what God gave Adam and he was trying to figure out how can I get that from him and he studied it and he knew that Adam had heard directly from the Lord and he watched them and he waited till a prime opportunity to be able to confront Eve and try to deceive her 
By all accounts, I'm sure he waited till she was hungry. Why in the world would you tempt somebody with food if they weren't hungry? So he probably waited till he knew that, you know, she eats at such and such hour. She's going to be hungry right about now. So he came to her when she was hungry, and he tried to approach her in a way that would deceive her, and he did. He misrepresented God, which is most likely what he did whenever he got a third of the angels to rebel. He probably went to them and misrepresented God to them and turned them against God. It's basically, it's basically like the church splitter people. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, they, they go to other people and they turn their hearts against authority and, to, and lead them into a rebellion. It's the same exact thing Satan did. His nature is still there, you know. And so God, you know, had a church split. So he knows, he knows the pain that some pastors go through. Amen. So, with that said... Satan began to maneuver so he could get Adam's authority when Adam willingly... See, Eve was deceived. She was tricked. But Adam was not deceived. Adam went and followed Eve's bad example, but he was trying to lower himself, spiritually speaking, to try to save her. It, it, I don't want to get too much into that. But anyway, when he ate of the fruit, he did not do it in deception. He did it in rebellion. He knew what he was doing. He knew he was rebelling. When he chose to obey the devil... You become a slave to the one you, you um, obey. When he chose to obey the devil, he basically gave all of his authority to the devil on a silver platter. And that's why Satan is called in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world, the little G God. Okay, the God of this world temporarily because he stole that from Adam. And so Satan has no real authority on his own, but he stole Adam's authority. And he's been using that authority to, to corrupt and try to destroy the human race ever since. So when Jesus came, he came as the last Adam. It's interesting the Bible doesn't call Jesus the second Adam. It calls him the last Adam because God knew that when Jesus came, there wouldn't have to be a third. And when Jesus came as the last Adam, and he, he gave himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world... He went down after Jesus died. Did you know he, those three days when he was in the grave, he went down into the lower regions of the earth and he went right up to the devil's face and he took the keys from him to death, hell, and the grave. He took back Adam's authority. In other words, what Adam had given to the devil, Jesus went in there and took it back from him and came out. And that's why when you read in Revelation, you see Jesus has a scroll and he's popping those seven seals and he's going to open it. That scroll is the title deed of the earth. You know, Sandy and I just finished paying off a car and we got the title. And so Jesus has the title. He paid for this with his blood. He has the title deed of the earth. But he took that, what Adam gave the devil, he took it back. And so Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. I'm coming back. But while I'm gone, you occupy till I come. So we're here as his representatives, his ambassadors to be preaching the gospel and preparing for his second coming. But we know that angels fell with the devil. And I'll get into that in a moment. But anyway, there's, there's classes of angels. There's seraphim, there's cherubim, and then there's the four living creatures, which are probably cherubim. But the four living creatures, they, they, sound, they sound really beautiful, but interesting. I mean, there's like four faces, and it's, you know, but... That's, that's the four living creatures. You see them in the book of Revelation. I have all that written down where you can study it out on your own and read about it. But it seems like that angels carry, just like human beings, when you look at Christians, certain Christians carry a certain anointing on their life really strong, like they may be really powerfully used in worship or really powerfully used in healing. And it seems like, and this is just speculation, it's just me think with me, but it seems like that there's classes of angels where there's a really strong anointing on them for an assignment from the Lord. Like for example, they're really powerfully used in healing and there's such a strong anointing on them for healing that God will assign them to go with really powerful healing ministers to help their ministry. Are you following me? I'm just saying that's what it seems like. 
But see, angels, God assigns them with ministries. Because I'm telling you, for example, somebody like Reinhard Bonke, I'll just tell you this, even though this shouldn't surprise you, it didn't me. But I remember when Reinhardt came to Heartland a couple years back. It was probably three or four years ago. And I, I went, and I drove in. There wasn't even that many people there. But I remember when I pulled in, I saw this huge angel sitting on top of Heartland. And he had come over with Reinhardt. He was there to help him, and he was to watch over him, and he wasn't going to let the devil get him. And then whenever he went back to Africa, the angel was going back with him. It was an angel that was assigned to his life. Because Satan wants to literally still kill and destroy. When we're talking about the devil, you guys don't understand because you try to relate with your own human compassion and stuff. You try to relate to the... The devil is so much more evil than you can understand. You can't understand. There, there's no mercy or compassion whatsoever. And so God knows that, that he's come to still kill and destroy, slit throats, I mean destroy. And so God has put angels over these ministries. I'm talking powerful angels to watch over them so the devil can't get them. And not only that, but each one of us as Christians, we have guardian angels around our lives. The Bible says he encamps his angels around those that fear him. And so they're with you continually. Alright, so let me get you, get you to where I really wanted to go. We are continually surrounded by the activity of the spirit realm. God does not let us see a lot of things because He knows we would freak out okay, and get afraid. So He doesn't let us see a lot, but we are continually surrounded by spiritual activity. So there are, there are the activity of fallen angels and God's angels. Before I get into that, let me give you one more thing because I'm going to have to come back to this later. So a lot of biblical scholars have, have tried to figure out, the they know the origin of fallen angels for the most part, but they've tried to figure out the origin of demons because... It seems in the scriptures like there's a difference. There's a different. There's different words and things. And I remember Derek Prince saying, and I fully agree with this. Derek Prince said that um, when you're dealing with angels, if you've ever seen an angel, I mean, they're they're some powerful beings, okay? And a fallen angel, fallen angels, they're making up categories like principalities and powers. But when you're dealing with these little whiny critters and people. That some of them are dumb as a box of rocks, okay? And they're just in and, and they're just in there whining and complaining, and you're thinking, how was that ever an angel? And so the question is, some people, a lot of biblical scholars go back and they study this out, and many believe that angels and demons are not necessarily the exact same thing. I'm just telling you to speculate with it. Just think about it. But some people feel, I've heard different teachings from different people. Benny Hinn, for example, feels this way, and many others, that there was some pre-Adamic race that fell with Satan. There's also people that believe that, and I'm saying all this for a reason, because it's going to tie in here in a minute. Genesis chapter 6, where the fallen angels took wives and had sex with them and produced these race of beings called the Nephilim, that whenever God destroyed them in the flood, that they became demons. There's probably some truth to that. So, I know all this is probably new to some people, but if you study it out for yourself, you'll see it's all in the Bible. So there was something that happened during that gap. And so angels fell, and there's these fallen angels, but then there's also these demons. So right now, there are angels in the earth that are loyal to God, the God that we serve, but there are also fallen angels that are loyal to Satan. And there's all these demons scurrying around. So the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 1-6 through 6, to test the spirits. To see and make sure that they're of God. I'm concerned for some people because I really believe that they're very gullible. 
about spiritual things. I want you all to please hear me because this is the part where I'm getting into the warning that I feel like God wanted you to get. Okay, I had to share some of that about angels and demons and their origin, all that to get to this place because I want you to understand. Okay, so God wants us to test the spirits. So let's get really practical. If an angel was to come to you and appear to you, how would you know if it's of God or not? Let me give you a few stories. There was a minister. In fact, I mean, it actually happened to be Brother Kilpatrick this time, but I've got some few angel stories I want to share. But anyway, there was, an, there was a, a being that came to him and looked exactly like Jesus. I mean, the sandals. I mean, he thought it was Jesus. And so he was going to get down and worship Jesus. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, look at his hands and feet. And he saw that there wasn't any scars. And he, he said, out in Jesus' name. And that thing ran off. So the Lord was trying to teach him to differentiate between a counterfeit and the real. So if an angel comes to you at any point, here's some things you need to think about. Number one, if you read 1 John 4, it says that they will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, if an angel comes to you, you, if you have even an inkling of a question about anything, you need to tell that angel that it is going to tell you, listen to me, that the Jesus that died 2,000 years ago, raised from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of God, that Jesus is my God and my King. And if that angel has an attitude about that, he's not of God. Now, I'm being serious. If he gets an attitude about it or anything, he is not from God. Rebuke him in Jesus' name because why in the world would one of God's angels have a problem saying that? And why would he have a bad attitude about it when the Bible says for us to test the spirits? We're just obeying the scriptures. So you don't just be gullible and swallow anything because there there is a counterfeit. And the Bible says clearly right here in 2 Corinthians 7.14 that Satan himself appears as an angel of light. And his servants, Satan's servants, talking about human beings, they appear as servants of righteousness. And Galatians 1.18 says that even if an angel was to preach another gospel, let it be cursed. So in other words, Paul acknowledged the fact that there would be angels that would try to preach another gospel and try to deceive people. These are fallen angels. And I'll tell you something else. There is no reason, I'm going to read it to Zechariah 5. But there is no reason for me to believe in the scriptures that I can find that there, there are female angels. Let me explain all this. When God created Adam and everything under Adam's authority... God created Adam male and female. He created humankind male and female. And so they procreate. Okay, everything under Adam's authority, he created male and female. For the purpose of procreation. But there's no reason in scripture for me to believe, and I'm going to read Zechariah 5 where the people quote this and they misquote it, they're wrong. But anyway, there's no reason for me to believe that there's... These male angels and female angels having little baby angels. I'm just saying it's not in the Bible. I'm not trying to be funny about it. Because the Bible calls them the sons of God. Meaning God is their father. Not sons of God the way we would normally understand that. But calls them sons of God in Job 1 and other places. Stating that they were created directly by God. They don't have a biological father so to speak. They're, they're created by God. <coughs> Let me read you this because there's some people that try to justify some of their weird. Is it okay that I give you guys a little a little Bible school thing real fast? Is that okay? Let me get out a sermon and give you a little thing. There's there's exegesis, it's exegete and eisegesis. What that means is it's a Bible school term, okay? It's one of those fifty dollar words. All right. What exegete means is really important. Because what it means is is that you read the whole passage of whatever it is God is trying to show you. You read the whole passage in the Bible. You try to understand the culture of that time. You try to understand the people. And you read it in context to the whole, what God is speaking. 
and you draw out of it what God is trying to say. But that's exegete. You're drawing out of it what the Bible is actually saying. What eisegete is, is where people are reading into it what they want it to say. And people do that all the time, and that's how cults form, and it's dangerous. Because they're eisegeting, they're reading into it something that will help their little pet doctrine. Something they want it to say. And that's what some people have done here. So let's read Zechariah 5. Again, I lifted up my eyes, and behold, I saw a scroll flying through the air. And an angel said to me, what do you see? And I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits or 30 feet. And its breadth is 10 cubits or 15 feet. Then he said to me, this is the curse. So I'm reading, I'm exegeting. I'm reading the whole passage to understand what God is saying. I'm not going to read one line. Okay, God's talking about a curse that goes out over the face of the earth. For everyone who steals shall be cut off from henceforth according to it. The curse written on this subject on the scroll. And everyone who swears falsely, in other words lies, shall be cut off from henceforth according to it. I will bring the curse forth, says the Lord of hosts. And it shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house, the house of him who lies by my name. And it shall abide in the midst of his house, and shall consume it both its timber and stone. So a house can be cursed. Then the angel who talked with me. Now Zechariah is talking to one of God's angels right now. So the angel who talked to me, Zechariah said, came forward and said to me, Lift up your eyes now and see what this is that goes forth. And he said, What is it? What does it symbolize? And the angel said, This is that goes forth as an ephah. An ephah was like a little measuring bag they would use to measure grain. Okay? And anyway, he said, This, he continued, is the symbol of the sinners mentioned above and is the resemblance of their iniquity throughout the whole earth. And behold, a round, this, this is important, a round, flat weight of lead was lifted off of a basket. It was lifted off of this ephah. And there sat a woman in the midst of the ephah. And he said, the angel told Zechariah, this is lawlessness or wickedness. And he thrust her back into the ephah and put the weight, the lead weight, back on the mouth of it. Then he lifted up his eyes and looked and beheld, there were two women coming forward. Wind was in their wings and they had wings like a stork. And then he said, the angel talked with me, where are they taking the ephah? Because they picked it up. And he said to the land of Shinar or Babylon to build a house for it. And when it is finished, to set up uh, the ephah, the symbol of such sinners and their guilt. So these stork-winged women, if you will, were carrying this off, this wickedness off, to build it a house. I'm reading this in context. Why would God's angels go build a wicked house? Well, I feel the resistance of either the devil or some deception or something. But anyway... When you, when you see in the realm of the occult, you see a lot of female spirits. I'm not going to defile the pulpit talking about some things there, okay? With incubus and succubus, and that's all I'm going to say. But there are, there are spirits that appear female. And demons can appear as a snake, they can appear as a dog, they'll, they'll appear to deceive people, they'll appear as their old dead Uncle Charlie. Or, or some little girl. And they, they have this ability to be able to deceive and appear and pierce into the natural realm and do these things. But God's angels, don't they're not about that. They don't haunt houses. They don't mess with people like that. And let me tell you something else. God's angels will never, ever be sexual towards you. I'm trying to warn you and help you from some deception. Because if there was a female angel that came to me of some kind, there would be about 99% probability that I would be extremely close to that. And I would make them go through that little, the Jesus who sits on the throne is my God right there, okay? Because maybe it's a vision, it's some kind of symbol, you know? But I have no reason to believe in the Bible anywhere, anywhere. That there are God's angels that are female, that are having little babies for male angels, 
angel, but I just don't. It's not, it's not there. And I'm sticking with the word. Now I'll tell you what some people are doing. They're trying to go with their experiences instead of the word. And that's why they're getting into deception. If your experience is not in the it's not lined up with scripture, then your experience needs to be thrown out as possibly a delusion. Maybe you ate something that didn't set right. Maybe maybe the devil's messing with your head. But we know it wasn't God. Because God doesn't deceive. God's word doesn't say one thing and then your little prophetic experience goes against that. No, that's just not God. But there's there's the reason why I'm preaching like this is because it is in in the end times, I know, because in Revelation twelve it talks about these gates being opened and all these locusts coming. There's going to be an increase of spiritual activity in the earth, both good and evil, and you need to know about it. Because I don't want to hear about some weird experience you had, and now you're out of church or you're in some cult, and talking to you, you sound like some robot that's repeating some something some you know goofy teacher told you. You need to get into the Word for yourself and know what the Bible says. All right. Man, I, I really felt that. The devil did not want me to preach that. I felt that strong. Strong resistance against that last part. So, be guarded. This is the warning of the Lord. That just because an angel of light appears, do not just accept things. If whatever it tells you goes against the scripture, that being is straight from hell. And you rebuke it in the name of Jesus and don't put up with it. If they want to lay hands on you, you better make sure that they're confessing Jesus Christ as Lord before you let them pray over you. All right. So angels throughout the Bible. Here's a neat story about David. So David had to face the enemy. And God told him, when you hear the rumbling sounds in the mulberry trees above your head, you will know that I've gone before you. And so here's David and his guys. They're, they're hunkered down, you know, in the bush. And all of a sudden, they're hearing the sound of marching over them. What happened was God was sending his angels in front. And then David had a quick, powerful victory. And, and David named that place Baal Perizim which means the Lord of Breakthrough. So the angels have a lot to do with bringing breakthrough. They have a lot to do with spiritual warfare and deliverance. They have a lot to do with healing and revival. Remember whenever Jesus, uh, or the time of Jesus where they had that pool of Bethesda, and the angel would come down and he would stir the waters, and then the first person in got healed? So angels operate, they, they traffic in the realm of healing. I know a lot of times, a lot of times, whenever I'm praying with people, that the angels are actually very active in a lot of that. Angels operate very powerfully in altar ministry. Well, just like last night, I mean, there, it was obvious that people were going right through the angel that was there, or more than one or whatever. And so what was happening was they were getting breakthroughs in their lives. Angels, their, their presence, a true angel from God, their presence is really overwhelming. I mean, when people saw angels in the Bible, they would, they, they were afraid, man. They fell down. And I remember um, Daniel, the prophet, had that vision where that angel came to him. And he became so weak under the glory of God that he was down on the ground on all fours. And the angel had to touch him, kind of pray for him, be strengthened, and help him up. Now here's a few quick scriptures and I'm going to close this out. Angels have a lot to do with the harvest. That's why you hear me praying that God would release his angels into the harvest field. Let me read it to you. Jesus himself taught in Matthew 13, 39. This is letter D about the harvest. The enemy sows the tares among the wheat. That's what he's talking about there. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. Did you know that? 
the harvest is the end of the age. We're living in the days of the harvest, the end time harvest. And who are the harvesters? Angels. So what's happening when you see these great harvests coming in, and you see somebody like, you know, Reinhard Bonnke or, you know, Nathan, or you see somebody like Benny Hinn or somebody, and they're up there preaching the gospel. What you don't see is you don't see the harvesting angels that went out before they even got there and gathered in that harvest to be saved. But the angels are the ones that are going to your lost loved ones when you pray for them and are going and pushing back the tides of darkness and helping them to be open to the gospel. They're the ones that are going out into the harvest field and, and driving back the forces of darkness and ushering people to church services so they can get saved. Or grabbing some, some praying grandma died and never saw her grandson saved, right? But this angel was assigned because of her prayers and he's following that guy around and makes sure that he runs into an evangelist on the street. You see what I'm saying? They're behind the scenes. You don't see them, but they're there. And we pray for these divine appointments. Who do you think's lining it up? I mean, obviously the Holy Ghost. He's in charge of everything. I know that. But it's the angels that are going and finding those people and grabbing them by the arm. And they don't even know what's going on and running them right into you. So you can witness to them. And while you're sharing the gospel, that angel's just standing there. Watching over the time. Make sure everything goes like it's supposed to. And I say this with humility, it's in the Bible, but angels serve God's people. They do. It's in uh, Hebrews 1, 13-14. It says, but to what angel was ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. He was you know, comparing uh, them to Christ. But here's what he said about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to serve for the sake of those who obtain salvation? So they're there to serve and help minister to you. Listen, Jesus, when he was on the earth, he said to Nathaniel, you believe in me because I saw you under a tree. But he said, listen, you're going to see the heavens open. You're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Do you remember whenever Jesus was tempted by the devil and it was over? The Bible says that angels came to minister to him. Sometimes you don't even know it, but you're at home praying and you've been going through some stuff and all of a sudden, it's like there's a breakthrough. All of a sudden, God's presence comes in. What you don't know is that the angel of the Lord just went over your head and took care of something for you. And now that angel is put his hand on your back and praying over you. And you don't even know what's going on. You're just like, man, I feel God's presence all of a sudden. They minister unto you. They're there, trust me, they're there all the time. You have no idea. They're, they're always around your life because the Bible says they are. Here's some other things. Angels respond to prayer. I love this story about Cornelius. And this is why ministering to the poor and, and, and prayer, and this it's so important to me and it means something to me, is because of this story. Cornelius was just this Gentile guy, but he was God-fearing. He didn't know Jesus, okay? He was just a God-fearing person, but he was a good man. And he would give a lot of money to the poor, take care of the poor, and he would pray every day. Now watch this. Acts 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day... About three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, my Lord, he said. The angel answered, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him, he had gone and Cornelius called his family, his two servants he was, and a devout soldier who was with him. And he told them everything that had happened. Anyway, he gathered his family. But listen to this. So you guys are giving to Israel. You're giving to the poor. Do you know that that's a memorial offering to God? Cornelius was just this guy. And all of a sudden, this angel comes to him and says, Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have gone up before God as a memorial offering. And God has sent me to you. Now here, that story doesn't end there. Cornelius was the first Gentile 
to come to know Jesus as his Christ, as his Lord, and his whole family. And not only did they get saved, but when Peter was preaching to them, revival broke out on their whole family as the power of the Holy Spirit fell on them and they all started speaking in tongues. And the Jewish people that were with Peter said, we can't believe it. The Holy Spirit's being poured out on the Gentiles just like he was with us on the day of Pentecost. So you know that was a mighty move of God. But it all went back to Cornelius' gifts to the poor and his, his prayers. It went up into God as a memorial offering. And God chose among all people, God chose Cornelius to be the one that God would use Peter to start ministering to the Gentiles. That was the first time it went out of Jewish people to Gentiles. Isn't that something? What an honor. So let me give you a few more scriptures and I'm going to leave you to read this stuff. Psalm 91, 11-12 The Lord will give His angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways on their hands. They will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And I've been quoting this a lot but Psalm 34, 7 The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and He delivers them. Amen. Here's some things you can just read over it, but the angels of the Lord, they feed us, they deliver us, they give us warning about impending danger, they guard and protect us, they go ahead of us to prepare our way, they deliver God's message to us, they direct us, and they will be instrumental in the last day judgment of God. And you can read about the seraphim, cherubim, and other angels that I put there. The only reference to an archangel is Michael, but I do believe there's more than just Michael. That's just my opinion. I believe Gabriel was. You guys get something out of this? You're going to be more aware of the angelic, aren't you? But see, here's the thing. The angels of the Lord are always, they're, they're here right now. You just don't see them. And I've had a number of people over the years tell me that they've seen or felt something and it, it seemed to be you know angelic. But in your ministry and in your calling, pray that the Lord will release His angels on your behalf because it makes a lot of difference when they're there and when they're not. When the angels of the Lord go in front of you and they're with you, I remember um, one angel story I have, I have several, but one was I was going to minister and I knew in my heart, I really felt that it was going to be a really powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit at this meeting. And as I was driving there, I could see the angel of the Lord, and he was on top of my car. So I'm driving, and he was on top of my car following me there on assignment to make sure everything that happened was going to take place that was supposed to happen. And that whole night I ministered, that angel was there ministering. It was, it was one powerful night. And I remember there was another time the Lord had spoken to me to go... I was supposed to sit under this mighty man of God and he was supposed to pray for me. I had a dream about it. God spoke to me about it. It wasn't just one of those flippant things. I mean, I really felt led to go. And I went out of my way to drive all the way down there and I got there. This man is very old and, and I knew that, you know, there may, may not be too many more chances. I need to make sure I was there. I was going to get prayer. And as I was there and I was praying about it, I looked up to my right and there was an angel and I heard the Lord tell me in such a loud voice that it was like ringing. I mean, it was loud. The Lord told me, He's here to make sure that you get from Him what you're supposed to get. And from that point, I was like, everything's going to be okay. You remember the story when Peter, the church was earnestly praying for Peter who was in prison. And all of a sudden, Peter looks up. Some, something had kicked him in the side. Hey, psst. You know, and Peter kind of, I can just see him jolt, you know, look up and there's this angel there. And he, you guys know when you come out of a dead sleep, you know. And so he's probably thinking, I still dream of what's going on. And all of a sudden when Peter sits up, all the, chac the shackles that were on him had just fallen off. The guards were laying beside him, chained to him. They're still, they're snoring, man. Peter gets up and he's walking out and the angels are going in front of him just waving his hand. The doors are opening in front of Peter and he's just going right out of the jail. And he, and he goes, and this is how commonplace angels were to the early church. Whenever Peter came and knocked on the door, he got to the point of beating on the door and 
finally some servant girl ran over there to open it and she saw Peter and she screamed and slammed the door. <laughs> Peter's probably thinking, man, this is going to be a long night. You know, I've been in prison and they're not even letting me in. I'm hungry. And he's sitting out there and that girl runs back and listen, the girl tells them, she says, well, it looked like Peter, so it must be his angel. And they're like, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's Peter. Maybe you need to go let him in. So anyway, she let him in. But see how that was so commonplace to them. That it was like, well, it, it might have been his angel. You know, his guardian angel or whatever. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm going to close with this. I really feel like the Lord is going to increase angelic activity in our ministry. And the Lord told me that this was a warning for some people that you need to be careful what you view as being God and what is not God. Because Eve was without sin. I mean, she was holy. And she was deceived. If you and I being a sinful nature living in a fallen world don't get prideful stay very humble because deception has a power to it and when an angel of light comes it can be totally from the devil but they can be so smooth talking and they can look you know why, why would why wouldn't a fallen angel appear to a woman as this really handsome young man that totally would cause her guard to come down. And there's a shining there like an angel of light. Why wouldn't a fallen angel appear to a guy like a beautiful woman? And there's a shining like a glow, like an angel of light. And, the, and automatically the guard is kind of let down. Kind of like, well, how could this be evil? It's so beautiful. Why wouldn't the devil do that? And Derek Prince used to teach that you know we entertain angels unaware and Derek Prince said it doesn't say in the Bible that they're always going to be God's angels so you could be entertaining fallen angels around you unaware according to the Bible so you need to grow in discernment to sense if something's good or evil not fear you know fear and suspicion is of the devil it's a counterfeit discernment True discernment is full of faith. That I have faith in God to keep me. And get faith in God to protect me. And I have faith in God if something shows up that's not of Him, I'm going to rebuke Him and be fine. But just don't buy into things. Because I have no reason to believe in Scripture that, that angels would come female. And I have no reason to believe in Scripture that angels would do some of the things that I've heard some people say. I've heard some people tell some weird stories. I'm sitting there going, man, I don't know if that angel was from God. So make sure that it is. Okay? The Lord has put that out there. There's a man, if you want to read a book on angels, there's a man named Roland Buck, B-U-C-K. You can get it on Amazon. He was visited by angels. As a matter of fact, he was visited, I believe, by Gabriel. He's a pastor. And it's an amazing book. It's called Angels on Assignment. If you just want to read it, I'm telling you, it's really neat. It's, it's a true story, but it's so interesting. It's like reading fiction. But he said that, that Gabriel appeared to him one night, and he had these beautiful big dogs. I don't remember what they were. Um, but anyway, he said that he woke up, and, and, and Gabriel, I believe it was Gabriel, was sitting on the foot of his bed petting his dog. And started talking to... Yeah, I figured Jill, Jill would like that. You know that your, your guardian angel pets your cat. Don't worry, I'm sure he does. Yeah. While you're asleep. While you're asleep. He's doing that. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that was neat because he said, he said that he had, never, he had never seen angels. And he thought, man, this is really neat because it was like the angel was so loving and down to earth. You know, was sitting there petting the dog and talking to him. And stuff. But... But the angel, it was serious. It was, a, it was a real legit experience that he wrote about. I mean, the angel showed him some stuff. It was a very powerful book. If you read it, I know me telling that story, you're thinking, well, no, it was real. And it was really powerful. So I just encourage you to read that. It'll really open your eyes to the angelic. But you guys have no idea how many times you were probably that close to death, that close to a car wreck, that close to something, 
and the angel of the Lord came over and made sure. You have no idea. And just recently, Sandy um, was at A&M, and there was a violent robbery that happened, but it just so happens that her class let out early, which was really weird that it would ever happen like that, and she was already back home when it took place. See, what you don't see is the angel of the Lord that went there and did whatever needed to happen to make sure that that class was let out early. And not only you, but all those that were in that class were protected because of you, just like Paul, when he, whenever he was shipwrecked, the angels of the Lord were there, and God told him that everybody on the ship would be spared with him. And I'm sure, literally, the angels were breaking up pieces of wood and sliding it to people that they could float onto shore. I'm sure that's what happened. But the angels were there and made sure that nobody perished. So sometimes it's not only you that they deliver, but they'll deliver everybody around you, even heathen. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. Just wait on the Lord for a minute. 